0: Well, I want to invite you into rest this Easter and explore the question what does Jesus mean here when he speaks of being at rest? We live in a rich nation which is obsessed with rest. Perhaps we're wealthy enough to imagine a world in which we don't work or don't work hard as being a better world than the one we now experience. But most people in most nations around the world can't imagine that. They don't have such luxury of imaginings. But if work is merely toil and labour and hardship and perhaps dull and repetitive and boring and perhaps oppressive and unjust, or if work is just an instrument by which to make money, to pay for more possessions and bigger houses and leisure items, then perhaps a world without work will not be a bad thing. Life without work, or at least with less work, is promised by advertisers in myriads of ways all the time. Uh, We're told that perhaps the meaning of life is to save, to travel, to be entertained, to get more pleasures, to take holidays, to have leisure, retirement, that all good things in themselves such as these are promised as the goal and the meaning of life. Is that what Jesus is talking about? Come and rest? Is Jesus talking about becoming more passive, more relaxed, stopping work, doing nothing or indulging oneself in more pleasure what does Jesus mean by rest well after having told his listeners that only he can make the father known that only Jesus reveals God that he has a unique relationship father and son he offers the following invitation let me read it again come to me All you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What's he talking about? Well, I want you to imagine a contrast... For a moment, you're in a slave market in the first century and wealthy slave owners are buying and selling people. A strong young man is purchased by a wealthy slave owner. Immediately, a yoke is placed around his neck, locked into place. An implement of ownership and control. Chains are secured around his feet. They cut into his ankles. He will work for his master and carry heavy loads. Attached to the yoke, extensions on which heavy burdensome loads can be placed so he can carry more than perhaps he could without the yoke. The slave's yoke will chafe his neck, bruise his shoulders, cut into his skin. It hasn't been made to fit. The chains will cut his ankles and make his legs bruised and bleeding. The chains are not meant to be comfortable, they are oppressive. They are instruments of oppression. this is the kind of contrast that jesus has in mind when he talks about the kind of yoke the kind of rest that he is offering in jesus's days under roman oppression people were bought and sold as slaves and they lived fitted with yokes and fetters or chains that were instruments of oppression of course today in poor nations throughout the world we're told that something like 46 million people continue to be bought and sold as slaves. In over 160 nations slavery has expanded and evolved into an underground industry. Forms of modern slavery or Ownership include government conscription, forced military service, forced prison labour, forced migrant labour, debt bondage, sexual slavery, forced marriages, child labour, forced begging. And there's very little chance that modern-day slaves can ever come out from under those yokes and chains of slavery. Jesus has in mind slavery. In his day, there were religious leaders, hypocritical, whitewashed sepulchres, he called them, who placed heavy demands, harsh laws, and high tithes on people who followed them. They were unloving, self-interested, hypocritical religious leaders. And in Matthew, Jesus says, Do not do what they do. They do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Hypocrisy, pretense, deception, legalism, harsh burdens on people of the day looking for faith, hope and love. In our days, in this wealthy 21st century world, the demands of consumerism on people are like a yoke and chains. We are told hundreds and hundreds of times every day by advertisers and billboards and on screens that we need to keep upgrading, getting more, getting bigger, getting better, getting faster, getting newer. This is like an ill fitting yoke upon young people and older like the burden of meeting the demands of consumerism is heavy jesus offers a different kind of yoke in chapter 11 verse 30 he says my yoke is easy and my burden is light and uh, the word easy in the translations is not really helpful, I don't think. He's, he's actually using a word that literally translated means kind. My yoke is kindly and my burden is light. The contrast with that slave is that Jesus is saying, look, come to me and I'll give you a yoke that fits your humanness. I'll give you a yoke that is not painful and the kinds of things that you will carry are not burdensome my burden my burden is light he says what i ask you to carry as you live and work is light jesus is talking about the yoke of becoming a disciple The work of a disciple the load of a disciple he's saying you could continue to serve slave masters who are cruel and violent and oppressive but why not come to me and take my comfortable yoke and my light burdens he's talking about the weight of obedience to Jesus the weight of loving neighbours, the weight of worshipping the true God, of working God's work, of being led and constrained by God's presence in his spirit. In uh, his letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes, the love of Christ constrains us. It's like chains, it's like a yoke, it hems us in, it guides our path. The love of Christ Controls us, not a cruel yoke. The love of Christ controls us. This is on offer, Jesus says, to all who are weary and burdened, sick of doing life under some other master. Jesus is saying, come to me and I'm a different kind of Lord. I'm a different Kind of master. I'm a different kind of teacher. And you can be different kinds of people if you're my students. Rest, the word that's used here, what does he mean? Well, it's a word for the whole of life. He's not talking about leisure. He's not talking about retirement. He's actually using a word that translates up to 14. Different Hebrew words in the Old Testament. Words like peace, reconciliation, delight, wholeness, respite, calm, recovery. The word rest is used, for example, of Israel's land when it is sown with a light crop or perhaps left fallow so that the soil can recover. The land is at rest. The land is being enriched after working hard in producing other crops. It's used in the Old Testament to speak of Israel's land when there are no enemies on the borders plundering the wealth. Israel's land is at rest when there's peace in the land and people can love and work and plant And sing without threat or fear. It's used for a lovely word that we know in Hebrew, the word shalom. Which means harmony across the creation between God, people and the world. That's a place of rest. It's used of God in the temple which is called in scripture God's resting place. God present and ruling over a faithful people is at rest and the temple is God's resting place. Here is God delighting in faithfulness and righteousness and worship and celebration. Here is God at peace with his people in the temple and things are at rest. The prophet Jeremiah uses the word when he says this, Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. Walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Israel always had this choice in Hebrew scripture to walk with God in the ancient ways of covenant and Moses and Torah and command or wander off and do your own thing and... Lose God's love and grace in your life. Stand at the crossroads, ask for the ancient paths, walk in it, you'll find rest. Rest is a description of life with God in faithful relationship. Rest is the word for what it's like to become a servant and student of Jesus, your master and teacher. And why Jesus can promise rest is because he says, I'm a master and teacher unlike any other. Because, verse 29, I am gentle and lowly in heart. Which is quite remarkable, and there's a popular Christian book going around at the moment which points out that this is the only text in the New Testament where Jesus tells us what his heart is like. His heart is lowly. And remarkably, he actually chooses a word which in his society is considered a vice. Jesus lived in a time when to be lowly was to be ...completely out of step with mainstream culture. The mainstream culture... ...weakness was a vice. You needed to be self-interested. You needed to be ambitious. You needed to promote yourself. You needed to work out of pride and control and opposition to the neighbour. You needed to climb the ladder. You needed to get up by making deals. Loneliness Well, that's the stuff of servants. That's the stuff of weak people. That's the stuff of stupidity. Jesus says, I'm lowly in heart. I'm not self-interested. I'm not ambitious. I want to serve you. I want to give my life for you. I want to save you and guide you and rescue you and love you. I want to embrace an emptying of one's self. As we've heard tonight. Jesus took lowliness and changed it from a vice to a virtue. He said, I'm humble, gentle and lowly in heart. And you know what? That's how humans ought to live. And if you want to live that way and love God and love neighbour, then you can be at rest. And you can carry a comfortable yoke and a light burden. Well, the invitation of Jesus in 28 and 29 is threefold. And each of these words is really important. The first one is, come to me. Come to me, make me your master. Decide that I'm the one you want to learn from. I'm the one you want to be taught by. Come to me. It's a command to all who are listening on that day. Come here to me. It was for rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female, children and adults, come to me. But that's not the only thing. Take my yoke is the second. Take my yoke. I'm not going to give it to you. You've got to come and take it. Take the yoke of Jesus and put it on your neck. Take Jesus' yoke which in other wisdom literature becomes for people who are disciples of Christ more like a garment and a crown than a yoke. Put it on your neck and treat it like a garment, like a coat, like something that adorns and warms you. Take my yoke. You need to take it. Enroll in my school. Take my yoke. That's not the final one, though. The third one is... Learn from me. Come, take, learn. Become my disciple. Let me be your rabbi. Listen, be taught for the rest of your life. Hear my words and obey them, and then you'll be wise. Come, take, learn. That's how you come to rest, Jesus says. This Easter, and today in particular, we celebrate the resurrection. Our Lord and Master has conquered dark and evil powers. He walked straight into them with a greater love and power than they could have ever realised. He allowed them, as it were, to pummel him, and then he rose up and pummeled them. And the great book written in the age of the Reformation, The Death of Death... In the death of Christ, he conquered death. He now rules and gifts and loves. He's on our side when we come to him. We're reconciled to God. We're guiltless in God's eyes, righteous before the Lord. We have moved in Christ from guilt and shame to grace and freedom. And Hebrews 3 and 4 tell us that a greater rest is coming... But I hope you're seeing tonight that Jesus is not saying to us, put up your feet, stop working, look forward to the holidays as the main reason. He's actually saying, work hard and work restfully. There is so much cruelty and injustice in our world that we are impelled by the love of Christ that constrains us to work but not to work out of anxiety not to work driven by self-interest or our own guilt but to do god's work restful work the kind of work that god does all the time as god rules it's really important to remember that on the sabbath day after the creation when god rested he didn't do nothing he ruled he delighted in he watched over, he reigned over his creation. God is never inactive in that sense. The work of Christ's disciples will not be driven by self-interest, by anxiety, or by carrying heavy burdens all on our own. It will be restful because we will do it with the wisdom of the yoke the burdens of the comfortable and the light Christ. We, I trust, will never be defined by busyness, by results and being driven along, by always walking fast, breathing fast, talking fast, eating fast, cutting down on sleep and all the rest of it as though somehow that makes us super spiritual. We will be defined by wise choices and by working out of love, by working with Christ's spirit, by working restfully, by faithfulness to the Christ who calls us to learn from him, to take his yoke, having come to him. This has been an anxious couple of years, hasn't it? And this Easter, when we look forward, uh, we look at an anxious world. My daughter-in-law's mother has just returned from Sri Lanka. She said the economy has completely collapsed, that uh, power is off, no one's got any money, they can't even get milk and bread. It's just heading into chaos. The world is in deep, deep trouble. So God's people, I trust, will work hard, but will work restfully under the yoke of Jesus who gives us the wisdom and the love and the power of resurrection by which to do our work. Rest in Matthew 11 is a whole-of-life word for the way you go about your life, not on your own, but in partnership with the Son of God, who grants you wisdom, a kind yoke, and a burden that he helps us to carry. Perhaps as we finish tonight, think about your commitments and activities at present. Are you feeling a bit swamped or burdened? Is there more on your plate than you wish there would be? Or are you looking to perhaps commence some new initiatives, some new commitments and engagements with people in need? Well, the promise of Jesus is that if you will come to him and take his yoke and learn from him, you can go about daily life and work restfully. And there is no better offer in the world. There is no Lord like Jesus. There is no love that constrains us like Jesus. So be encouraged. Let our work be accompanied by prayer and participation in the purposes of God. And may the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of the risen Christ, guide and direct, constrain and control as we live and work restfully. Matthew 11, let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace in sending Jesus, and Jesus, thank you for your gracious invitation to come, to take, to learn from a person who is lowly, In heart and humble and kind. Lord, help us to work out all the challenges to that in an unjust and cruel world where greed, corruption, abuse of power is so common. But may we not be discouraged because the hope of Easter and the hope, Christ, of your return fill us with the passion, with an energy to work and live restfully as your disciples today for the rest of life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.